Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Tony Pascola is a physical education teacher, sport coach, strong first kettlebell instructor and personal trainer, and carnivore and fasting coach at Rivero, a nutrition coaching company focused on helping people successfully implement a carnivore diet. Tony has had struggles with his weight all his life, as a young kid, as a high school wrestler, and as an adult. Tony had been vegan for two years when he realized that the vegan way of eating was not sustainable. That is when he found the ketogenic diet and eventually transitioned to a carnivore diet. He has worked to be a fat-adapted endurance athlete and completed an Ironman in 2021 primarily on a carnivore diet. Tony specializes in strength training, especially with kettlebells and nutrition coaching in animal-based diets. Based in Chicago, Illinois, he works with his clients in person with both one-on-one sessions and group coaching, and also works virtually with his clients from all over the world. He is most active on Instagram, where you can follow him at Tony underscore The Primal Coach. Tony Pascola, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Hey, Casey, how's it going? Good, man. We go way back. When did we start working together? Yes, sir. Uh, yes. When did we start working together? Um, I would say, wow, it's over a year ago for sure. So it's probably, I want to say about, that'd probably be like 17 months ago or so yeah. around there, just over a year. Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember that coaching session. You and I now are both coaches for Rivero. So we get to meet people mm-hmm. all over the world and help them with their own carnivore diets. And I remember that coaching session. I don't know that I did anything in that coaching session. You you could have nutrition coached me in that session. You were so knowledgeable. You had done so much of your homework. You knew exactly what you wanted to do. And it's like we were talking kind of offline. I think oftentimes when you're carnivore, when you're doing coaching, nutrition coaching with carnivores, you're really just there to like kind of nod your head in approval and say like, yeah, everything you're saying is pretty much something you can do. And you were certainly that way. You came very knowledgeable to the table. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do some racing and, and, and Ironman and, um, just really focus on, um, the way that I was eating before I started, like my goal of, I'm going to complete an Ironman was basically, you know, I, I like the keto diet, but then I like just felt way better when I went to carnivore. And then when I mentioned to people, you know, I'm thinking about doing it as a carnivore. They're like, you are going to die, man. There's Impossible. no way. Impossible. You can't do it. You got to have gel blocks. You got to have goose. You got to, there's a whole thing. You got to carve up, man. And, uh, I just know how it made me feel. And then I just was reaching out to some people. And then I want to say, I heard your podcast. I think it was the carnivore cast. So this is like way back. And then, um, I just remember you, you know, you were working for, I think it was meet RX back then. And, uh, I just reached out to, I reached out to you and then kind of like you said, I'm like just bouncing things off you and just looking like, Hey, like, can I do this? Like, is this going to work? Like I just asking for permission, like I'm going to eat fat and steak and I'm going to race and I'm going to be cool. Right. And you're like, absolutely. You go. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Well, anyway, I remember um, not really doing much to to earn my, my coaching fee for that session. You had done a lot. I absolutely love following you on Instagram. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to see every time you're on there. You're always doing something different. (laughs) It could be endurance sport. It could be throwing kettlebells around. It could be awful 10 second intervals on an airdyne, like, or it could be, you know, your, your coaching results that the the results you're getting for all your clients is absolutely amazing. If it's not that, then it's pictures of delicious food. What has it been like to be on, Um, on Instagram and start your coaching profile and, 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 and highlight all that stuff? Yeah, that was like, uh, one of my, 
I think it was January 1st last year I started. And like, I think I, the still first post is still on there. I saw and that. I like when my tag, my tag was carnivore athlete. And that was like my thing. I'm going to be a carnivore athlete. And I like doubled down on that. I was doing like cooking, like cooking with the carnivore athlete and stuff like that. And, um, I just try to like, I don't really, to be honest, like, I don't know what I'm doing and if I'm doing the right things or posting that I'm just like, just post, man, just, um, I had a buddy, he, he's in marketing and I was kind of talking about, it. he's like, sometimes it's just ready, shoot, aim. Like you just put it out there and it is what it is. And so I try to do things that people like, um, some fun things, um, highlighting my clients. Um, and then I kind of, with clients and things like that, I felt like I was kind of deterring some people away by being like the carnivore athlete. And then I started kind of following Mark Sesson stuff. And I'm actually in the process of finishing his certification to be a certified primal coach. Cool. So I'm like, I'm just going to kind of make this umbrella for people and just to be a primal coach, like primal way of eating and focus on animal based things and have people come to me but not be deterred from like, Oh, he's only carnivore. That's it. I can only go to this person for that. So no, I think that's really smart. It's, it's tough to not feel like you're kind of getting pigeonholed in that one thing and you're becoming that one guy. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's nice to keep your options open. And I think for most people, they just need to be aware that they, they would benefit from getting more animal products in their diet. I think people are Mm -hmm. eating far too few animal products and are sold this, you know, bag of goods that the, the, you know, vegetables are the best thing for you. And you need lots of plants in your diet that the message is you get just getting shoved down everybody's throats it's nice to have the Mm -hmm. other message where it's like yeah you can be carnivore or at the very least let's just get more eggs and butter and steak in you and and see if you notice benefit yeah absolutely absolutely well that's awesome let's go back and tell your story we talked a little bit about it in the introduction but it sounds like you've had you know some struggles with weight that i think most of us can really relate to tell us about what it was like to grow up yeah so I grew up in, you know, Italian household and we, we ate, I mean, we ate, (laughs) I mean, it, it's, it's pasta, it's, it's breaded chicken, it's meatballs, like just with gravy all over it. And, um, we would eat out a ton. And as a kid, um, probably like second, third grade, I, I was just really overweight and, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I gotta get the Husky size pants for the kids kind of deal. Like, and it was just one of those things where I I wanted to make a change and I didn't really know what to do because back then there's no YouTube, there's no like internet was there, but you didn't have like the accessibility that we have now to like, Oh, I can go on Instagram and look up a fitness coach. Um, so I ended up just starting to, I remember like I would have my, um, I don't know if you remember these, the anti-skip Walkman, like CD players Dude. and they're, I, yeah, those Amazing. are great. And the, I, I had the red one, the Sony red Walkman one. I just remember with my wraparound headphones and I would just go run in the alleys because I was so afraid to run on the street because I thought my friends were going to see me. So I was running through the alleys um, in like nighttime and just trying to like work out. So I started by running. Um, there was this place called the civic center in Melrose park where I grew up and I just like would go there and lift weights and not know what I was doing. I would just, people would tell me and coach me up or whoever was there, but I started getting into fitness that way. And I started uh, losing weight and things like that, but everything wasn't sustainable because I just was not eating as much. I was limited because I thought you had to quote unquote diet. I have to diet. I have to like limit my calories. I have to limit what I eat. I remember somebody told me don't eat past seven o'clock. And I just never ate past seven o'clock. And then like, I would skip a meals, like too many. 
Um, I would just limit like how much butter, how much fat, everything would have to be fat free. And that's the way that I was eating and I lost weight, but I felt terrible. Um, and then I get into high school and I, you know, I was, I was lifting for like years and I was a strong kid and short and stocky. So I can't play basketball. So like you're wrestling, you know, I had my football coach, like you're, you're going to wrestle for us. So I ended up wrestling, which was one of the best things because I ended up being a wrestling coach, um, later on in life. I love the sport, but the other problem with that is I didn't learn how to manage my weight. So I would yo-yo all the time. And if you know anything about wrestlers, you know, you'll, you will, we'll eat a ton and gorge ourselves because we know we'll just cut weight later on. Yeah. I was just going to say that's really common in wrestling, right? Yes. A hundred percent. And, you know, things have been better lately, you know, and, and as I got into coaching, you know, I, that's the one thing that I watch out for. I don't let kids cut tons of weight. I, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's age appropriate. Um, let them compete at their natural weights, but they feel they want to be a bigger kid. So they, they shrink down, they cut, they lose a bunch of water weight and then they weigh in and then they gorge themselves right after. And that's, that again is not sustainable. And you get into that habit of when I'm off season, I can eat whatever I want. Cause I could just cut it later. I can cut weight later. And for me all through high school, I literally was just thinking about my weight every day, every day. I'm like, okay, if I eat this, I know I have to run this much. If I eat that, um, I'm going to have to go work out or wear plastics to sweat out the water weight. And it was just something that stayed with me and I would just get real heavy because I would gorge myself because I would deprive myself so much of food. And then I would shrink down and cut weight and then I'd blow up again and I'd shrink down and it's just not healthy. So I'm curious, I, I, I just kind of thought of this. I'm sure this hasn't been like studied long-term or anything, but just anecdotally from the people you see that you maybe wrestled with, do, do people later mm-hmm. on in life just like really struggle with their weight if they've done wrestling kind of in high school in that way that they're like always fluctuating? Do you notice those people have metabolic damage like years and years down the road yeah uh, uh, you hit the nail on the head like a lot of my friends who i wrestle in high school with they are very very overweight they're very heavy set you know these are guys that some of the best athletes in the state at the time now as i'm 34 like we're i'm 34 years old and i'm in the best shape of my life they're some of my buddies are just they've blown up because they're just they don't have to cut weight anymore. It's just, they can eat as much as they want and there's no stopping it. Nobody's there to put them in track or anything saying like, Hey man, like you shouldn't be eating that. No, they've, they've had that all their life of people telling them what to eat and they have to make weight. Now they could just eat, eat, eat and nobody's stopping them. And it's like a slow process. And before you know it, like they're 25, 30, 40 pounds heavier than they were been in college wow. and there's just no stopping. So yeah, you'll see, you'll see a lot of wrestlers like that. And it's, that's something that people don't talk about a lot is, you know, how the, what you do in high school at, in that wrestling aspect. And I know there's other sports too, like, you know, gymnasts and, um, you know, even boxing, you have to make weight too. Like that trickles on for a lifetime. And you don't, if you don't learn healthy habits or learn how to eat right 
and take care of yourself. Like it's, it's just a slippery slope. That's so interesting. I think of that in the same way as like a high school athlete playing football and maybe he's getting his head knocked around a little bit and he's not going to go to college or professional sports, but you wonder like if he's getting a series of sub concussive hits, how is that going to affect him 20, 30, 40 years down the road and, and having that happen at such a young age. So it's curious Mm -hmm. to kind of speculate on that. We know we have that, the, you know, the biggest loser study and, and their deranged metabolic rate six years after they did the contest, their metabolic rates were still so suppressed. It would be interesting to do the same study on somebody who was like cutting weight a lot in high school and see where that impact was. But anyway, just speculation. I really appreciate your insight into that. Um, so as your journey continued past high school, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So once I got out of high school, college, like that's when I really gained a lot of weight. I I got to the point where I think my senior year, I wrestled like 152 and I was, I weighed in starting at my senior year, like 180 something. I cut to 152. And then by my freshman year of college, I was like 210, 213. So huge jump. Mercy. And, uh, yeah. And, um, it got to the point where the kind of the turnaround for me was I, I went to go see a buddy like downtown because uh, I was in the city and he was in the city. We're both going to college and I walk up and he doesn't recognize me. He doesn't know who I am. And I'm like, Hey Mike. And he's like, Oh, Hey, Hey Tony. I realized like, Oh, he doesn't recognize me because I'm so happy. So then I was like, Oh man, I got to do something. So I started, um, I started running again. I did, I did the Chicago, I said, I'm going to do the Chicago marathon. I got to have a goal. So I ran that lost a bunch of weight. Uh, then as soon as the marathon was over, I went right back. I gained all the weight back just because I'm eating, you know, high carb. I mean, I remember before the marathon that year, I like did like, I went to Olive Garden twice to do the never ending pasta, (laughs) you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, I leave college and my first year I was, uh, I was a PE teacher on the South side of Chicago at, uh, high school. And in the South loop, there's a gym it's called uh, monkey bar gym, Chicago. And, it's a gym that started in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and the guy's name is John Hines, and he's like a fitness guru. Um, it, he was really into like kettlebells. So like in the gym, it was super cool. It was barefoot. Uh, it was kettlebells. It was ropes. It was monkey bars. That's it. Awesome. No mirrors. No, no awesome. mirrors. No nothing. All functional training. There was a yoga studio above. And that's how I actually got introduced to kettlebells, you know, how to swing one, how to press, you know, Turkish get ups, things like that. And I got really in shape, but the one thing that not to say that it's for them, it's great. Like they, they pushed a vegan diet and John Hines like is super jacked, super healthy. Like he does um, like crazy for his age. Like he's got to be upwards of 50 now and, or something like that. And he's just so jacked right now. And it, vegan diet works for him. But for me, I started doing a vegan diet. I was going to this gym and I lost weight. I felt great all at first. And then within about a, a year into it, I like started losing my hair a little bit. I was getting fatigued. I was eating a ton, like the amount of food I had to eat to sustain was ridiculous. And then it just turned into me eating like processed tortillas and hummus and seitan and all this stuff because it's vegan. Like everything was like, but everything was fake. It wasn't even real food by, by the time I was all said and done. Um, so I got off of that and then I just, you hear keto, 
keto this, keto that. And I'm like, I got to figure out what this is. So started kind of doing research online and I just like on Instagram or whatever and found the keto diet. And I tried that and I said, okay. And I felt good. I felt really good. Um, my only problem was, is like, it was just complicated. It was too complicated for me. Like I had to like this many macros, this many carbs. Well, this is a net carb. So it kind of doesn't count. You can cancel it out. Um, you can only have this much of this. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to cut the vegetables out and just eat steak and just see how I feel from there. And then, you know, as I've went through that and I just started having more just animal based like steak, butter, salt, and forget the vegetables. And I made it super simple, super easy. Eat till I'm full. That's it. Then I'm done. Wow. And I got onto that and uh, I just felt great. My skin felt great. Like my hair wasn't falling out as much. It was looking a little, a little bit thicker and everything was good. And then uh, COVID happened and then we get all get locked down. And uh, I, I just remember being stuck in this little apartment and nothing to do. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. I remember doing, do you remember Sean T insanity? Yeah, do you remember totally, those? Totally. <laughs> I was doing Sean T insanity every day, um, working remotely from home. And for me, like that was the worst thing, like being confined in a small space and just, I like going into work. I like interacting. Like I work wow. with kids. I work with adults. Like I love that interaction. And when you, when they take that away from me, I was like, man, and I was trying to work out as much as I could, but I started gaining a bunch of weight back, you know, as we all did, you know, we're just sitting around most of the day. We're going to, you know, go to the grocery store and I was getting the, you know, not the animal based option. I was getting like junk and just sitting around too much. One of and my friends, this like, is funny. One of my friends yeah. um, put her, she hung her bikini up on the fridge and made a sign for herself that said, you're not hungry. Go away. <laughs> oh my gosh. That That's a great idea. That was good. I should have put a speedo up or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like it was just one of those things where I knew what I, I knew what I was doing. I knew I was eating bad. I knew I was sitting around too much, but I, at that point it was kind of like a weird situation. You didn't know how long it was going to last. And so then I'm like, I gained weight again, even though I was doing insanity, I was walking up and down stairs. I was trying to get out as much as I could. Uh, I gained all the weight back. So I was up to like two thirteen ish again. And it's like, man, I got to do something. So I know my one buddy has kettlebells. So I called him up. I was like, Hey man, do you want to bring your kettlebells over to the park? And let's just, let's just swing kettlebells. Cause he used to go to monkey bar too. So he's like, yeah, man, let's go. And he would bring his kettlebells over like two 24 Ks. And we would just do clean squat presses with a single 24. Like I was used to be able to do way more than that. But after just doing clean squat presses and get ups for 30, 40 minutes, I remember the next two days I was so sore. I was so sore. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I am so out of shape. But we just kept literally like three or four times a week, clean squat press, Turkish get ups, kettlebell swings, uh, I started running again and just doing more of that. And it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm getting really strong. I'm getting really lean. Uh, I'm eating right again. I'm just having just mostly animal based and I feel great. And so that's when I got to the point where I was doing a lot of miles and I was like, I really want to do an Ironman. And that's my goal. And I've always had that goal. I'm like, if I'm ever going to train for one, there's not like everything's like half shut down anyways. I can't do anything. We're staying inside most of the time. I was like, I'm just going to buy a bike trainer, put it in the house, 
you know, cause Chicago's cold in the winter. I was like, I'm going to start training. And then I had the idea of like, do I do this as a carnivore? Like, do I do this on an animal based diet? And that's when I, I reached out to you. I was, I just needed the permission. And like, you gave me great advice, you know, you, you know, talking about the big, the biggest thing is being fat adapted and being able to run on your own body fat, which I didn't really understand the concept until you broke it down for me. But what, what an amazing thing. Like we have an abundance of energy and we can use so much and I don't need a bunch of stuff. It's amazing. Are you, were you ever surprised about like the length of time that you would go into these training sessions where you would maybe like, did, like, did I forget to eat breakfast? Do I need breakfast? Like, did I, I, I'll look down and like, I don't have a water bottle. I never bring like a water bottle or food or like, you don't even consider like if somebody wants to go mountain biking at 9am or 5pm, it's just like, yeah, let's go. Like you, you don't even need to consider it anymore. It's almost shocking when you, when you kind of think back on it. Yeah. I, I, cause all the running and everything I did before I was, yeah, I had the, those blocks, like the little shock blocks or whatever they are. And then all the goos and, you know, I've had people be like, when I'm on my bike, that are real big bikers I go with, like they're drinking, we go for like a 50, 60 mile bike ride. They're having like Coca-Cola and I'm like, I'm not okay. I don't know why you're having Coca-Cola, but okay. I mean, like, I don't need that. I'm good. My first hundred mile bike ride I ever did. I stopped at the 50 mile mark and I got a coffee cause it was, a, cause it was cold. And that's the only reason I got it. And like, I didn't eat anything and I was fine, but that, that distance you can go and, you know, I think it's a mental hump. Like you have to get over this mental thing where it's, you're trained to like, Oh, you got to keep eating. You got to keep eating. But you're right. Like sometimes I won't even have water. I go run outside for two hours. It's hot. Come back. I'm fine. I didn't yeah. eat anything. I didn't need anything. So, so I know yeah, I know you do like tons of biking and everything. So that's gotta be like, was that like the big game changer for you is like not having to pack a bunch of stuff. It really was like, I, I stopped racing maybe a decade ago and I, I'm literally faster now. Like the, the places where I kind of like time myself, um, to mm -hmm. see, you know, my average speeds or whatever, I'm much faster now than when I was racing. When I, when I pass somebody on the road, like I'm, I'm crushing them. I'm not saying that to brag. Like I, you just feel crazy mm -hmm. strong, so much stronger on a fast when mm -hmm. you're eating a pure carnivore diet. I, I don't think there's any other way to explain it. I would love to have you kind of talk about what fat adaption is the way you understand it now and the disadvantage that people have. If they don't, if they aren't fat adapted, why it is a problem to be eating so many of those gels and goos and shop blocks. Oh yeah. So, you know, in when you're fat adaptive, like the source of energy you have on your body, it's, it's virtually limitless. Like there's no way you're going to run out. Um, when I did my first half Ironman, um, I did it fasted. The only thing I had was electrolytes and water. And I did a whole half Ironman without eating anything. And I can take my body fat, run off of it as energy. Whereas if I'm like a carb or sugar burner, like you can only store so much energy at a time, 2000 calories at a time, you'll blow through that pretty quickly. And then you're going to have to replenish and replenish and replenish. And that's the one thing when I did the, the full Ironman, is everybody complained? Everybody that I talked to after the fact complained how much their stomach hurt. Dude, I, how, I just heard a stat. Sorry to cut you off. I just heard a stat. No. Ultra, the biggest, re, like 60% of the people that drop out of ultra marathons is because GI distress. Oh, yeah. Like they're, they're, on, they're eating so much that they are uncomfortable just to make it to the race or, you know, make it through the race. 
you know, if, if you train to be fat adaptive and I use my own body fat as energy, it's limitless. And I'm so much more efficient. You feel better. You don't have these ups and downs and then you don't bonk. Like bonking is basically when you're, you're run out of energy because you're a car burner or sugar burner. And then once you, there's a point where you just cannot get enough carbs in you because you've burnt them all out. And like, you just, you're like, you're in a mental haze and you can't think anymore. And the body's starting to shut down a little bit. But if you train to be fat adaptive and run off of your own body fat, that you never bump, you just have this continuous steady stream of energy that you can always tap into. Yeah. And it kind of translates into like my life too, because when I'm in a situation where it's like, I have all these unhealthy options around me or I'm busy and I can't like get to like make my own food or whatever I can last all day without eating. And I'm completely fine where I have people running around that I know that are like, I didn't eat yet. I'm hangry. I didn't have a snack. And they're like at work, they're just like always eating, always eating where I'm like, you know what? I don't like the option for food today. I'm good. Or yay. I'm so busy. Uh, I'm just going to, I just going to keep working. I'll eat later or whatever. And I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. That just that sentence alone. If you told that sentence to 90% of people out there, they would have no idea what you're talking about. They're so hungry all the time. You're right. They don't mm -hmm. have that, that level of, you know, I, most people refer to it as like food freedom, which I think is a great way to talk about it. You are completely free from food. You could eat if you want, you could not eat if you want. It's not a big deal. If you have to go do a two or three hour workout or you have to skip breakfast and lunch, like you just keep going because that fuel source is there. I mean, for the listener, if you want to kind of think about this in your head, Head, the way we can calculate how much fat you store, basically, if you know your weight, that's one thing. If you know your body fat percentage, then you can extrapolate the absolute number. So with the percentage of your total weight, now you know how many pounds of fat you have. So let's say you have 40 pounds of fat. You multiply that by 3,500 calories, which is the number of calories in a pound of fat. And that number calculation will show you how many you know, calories of, of energy from fat you have stored on your body that's a huge number. You could be a tour de France athlete, super, super lean. Mm -hmm. And you would still have tens of thousands of calories of fat energy on the body that the body is perfectly happy to use and fuel itself in this fasted state where you don't need to be taking in all that crap. That's just going to be, it's going to be hurting your stomach. You're asking your body to compete between performing whatever you're doing and digesting food, which is terrible. And geez, those stomach aches, man, do you, do you remember how bad those stomach aches would be? Dude, I, I, I look back now and I'm looking like, I'm just remember like one of my first Chicago marathons and I'm looking around and people are strapped up. They, I mean, they have belts that have pockets for the goo and they got like 25, like they're going to go on this huge, like exposition or something like where they're going to go for days on end. And they're all, I mean, yeah, a marathon's tough. But that, for the amount of calories that they had on these belts and like goos and whatever, I'm like, that is a ton. Like I look back, I'm like, how, how can you eat that much? You know what I mean? It's just, it's so crazy. And, and, and it's definitely a part of, um, you know, just this push from these companies. And then that's a big thing. You know, they have the goos, the blocks, they have all these things. And like, you have to have, them. you have to have Gatorade, you have to have this, you can't compete without it. And, um, they're, you know, they're sponsors for the races and all kinds of things. So I think there's definitely something into that where it's being pushed on a lot of people and this option isn't talked about enough. And like, that's what 
your podcast, everybody else that are in, in the low carb space. Like, I think that that's a huge thing where you guys are telling these stories and it, it needs to be told because people don't think that this is an option yeah. and it's a very viable option. Totally. That is such a funny and so ironic example that you gave of the person strapped with food. I'm thinking of like the most amazing, efficient power generator that, that can run on its own forever with like cans of gasoline strapped to the outside of it. And you're going to use the gasoline that's producing tons of pollution and burning really dirty versus using this battery. That's already there. You're literally strapping the one on top of the other. Crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's crazy. So speaking of stories, let's get back to yours. What was it like to train for the Ironman? What was it like to do it on the carnivore diet? Did you struggle with anything, anything difficult um, as far as like adaptation period goes? What was your experience? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I went, when I started training carnivore or for the Ironman, uh, on carnivore, I kind of, yeah, there's like some tweaking I had to do one. I really, I was like, I need to be fat adapted for this. I need to be fat adapted. So all of my training was pretty much fasted. Um, my long runs, you know, I would, and I would try to get my workouts done in the morning as best I could, but I would try to do that fasted. So that way I'm like, okay, I am training my body to run on my own body fat. Um, I'm not going to be dependent on a bunch of like different things. Um, and I, I found this sweet spot of you like about two to two and a half pounds of meat a day, like one big meal a day was like my sweet spot. And I would have it between four 30 and six 30 every day. Like I got my training done. I could eat, I can digest. And then by that time I can go to bed and I would try to get if I had two training sessions in that day, um, what I would do is I would supplement with like, I would have some fruit right around the time that I was about to do my like second training session. Um, you know, and, and that's the one thing with me is like, and I think I've talked to you about it too. It's like, do I implement fruit? Do I not? There's like this, is it good? Is it not? I found that for me, if when I was doing like shorter things, higher intensity, I would supplement with some fruit around the front or the back end of that. Um, but I just know around two pounds, two and a half pounds of meat per day. Like I was stuffed. I ate my fill. I'm satisfied. And I was good to go. Um, it's really honestly a mental hump that I had to get over. It's just like doing these long, you know, 50 mile bike rides, 60 mile bike rides and not eating where you're so programmed to do it. I think you just have to get over the mental hump and kind of push yourself a little bit to, okay, I'm going to go another 10 miles or I'm going to add another half hour or an hour to my long run and just do it fasted. And I really, I, I, it kind of, my body just took care of itself. It's, it just knew what to do, which is even the crazier part. Like, I felt like I was doing the right thing and I knew exactly what to do. Um, with fat, I was adding some butter here and there. I, I think the general rule for me was like, if like my energy was low, I would add a little bit more fat. Um, you know, if you add too much fat, it's not good because you're going to go into the bathroom a little too much. Uh, but you know, but you have that, you know, there's that, Hey, like if I'm going to the bathroom a little too much and it's, and it's not solid, like that's like the issue. It's like, okay, I probably had too much fat in my diet and everybody that's, you have to figure it out for yourself because everybody's a little different. So I would say like maybe a couple little, you know, maybe two, three tablespoons of butter with my steak, or, um, I do grass, sometimes do grass fed. If I do that, I'm definitely adding more butter because it doesn't have enough fat in it. 
But if I just do regular 80, 20 ground beef, you know, just a little bit of butter on top of that is good, you know, with a ribeye or something like that. But the adaption period, really, I just took it slow. I just pushed the envelope every single time and I got a little bit further um, at my distances. I worked out fasted and I try not to eat right after the fact so that I'm like, okay, everybody that works out, like I remember the old school thing, after you work out, you have to have a protein shake. It's gotta be a hundred carbs and it's gotta be this much in this much protein. And like, you have to work out. If you don't eat right after you work out, you lose your gains. (laughs) And I was, yeah, that was like the, it was instilled in my head. And I'm like, you know what, after my workouts, I'm going to wait a while and see how I feel after the fact. And I felt great. I felt like I had a ton of energy. I felt like I didn't need anything. So that kind of just gave me the signal like, yeah, my body's taking care of itself and knows what to do. It's using its best resource. And I'm running like I'm running on all cylinders and everything is good to go. So I would just say it was a more of a mental thing. Like the body, it just knows what to do. I feel like that's how it's supposed to run. I felt great. It just got over that mental hump of you don't need a bunch of food to, you know, get through these races. It's just training and just making sure like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to have my meals. I'm going to eat one. I want to eat if I'm hungry. And then when I'm full, I'm full. And I leave it at that. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I think you're so right when you say the body just kind of knows, and it really is a mental thing to to allow the body to do what it does best. It it makes so much more sense evolutionarily that we didn't have (laughs) goos and rest stops every two kilometers on the savannah where we needed to hunt. Like we needed to sort these things out or we would not be here as a species. And, And I just really think the more you let the body do what it does, especially with things like fasting, it will just take care of itself. You don't need to stress out about protein to fat ratios and micronutrients and other supplements like those have their place for sure but for the most part you can just kind of be fine eating once a day eating enough meat like that's all you can focus on you can use your energy to go worry about something else it just kind of sorts itself out it's really really cool i love that um there's always there's always something that happens in the few weeks before a major event like an ironman something goes wrong like your your bike brakes get smashed into bits or something or like you you go on a run with the wrong shoes or something like did you have any major challenges leading up to the actual event itself um i knew not huge challenges i did the half ironman in des moines and i think we talked about it after the fact um it, it got delayed um because of weather it was storming in the morning and then they, they were like oh it's a go so we were all outside in our like wetsuits and just waiting for this race to happen. And all of a sudden, like we're tipping to like almost noon and it hasn't even started. So the sun is just blaring. I remember it was just being 90 something degrees outside and it was just hot. And I just remember we're biking. We swam. The water was not cold whatsoever. Um, we swam, we biked, whatever. I remember just at the half Ironman, my legs, like I 100% had heat cramps. And it's just like, I just did not get enough salt. And like, when I thought I was putting enough in my body, I definitely was not. And I was just sweating out so much that the last three miles were so tough. I mean, that half marathon was harder than the full. Wow. Just based off of the heat and the heat cramps. Um, So I really went into the full marathon or full um, Ironman uh, with, I, I had LMNT, which I love. I think to me, that's, 
It's got pot- pot- uh, potassium, magnesium in it. Um, it's got the sodium that I need. So I always, I had everything filled up. I had extras in my bag just in case it got too hot in Arizona. And then I, I had a couple of cans, um, some of the gel or the strawberry vanilla cans. That's like the slow releasing uh, carbohydrate. And um, I had one uh, pack of fat bombs, which is like a macadamia nut thing on my bike. And I really didn't eat too much. I had those as spares. I had definitely, I ate the two new cans. I didn't even eat all the fat bomb. And I just made sure that my salt intake was high enough and I was getting enough water. Um, and that, that made the whole difference of like getting the salt in and where salt is completely demonized, you know, everywhere you look in, in the in diet world, um, or nutrition world, but I, I needed it. I needed more than I thought I did. And I was very surprised. But once I made that little change, like my training was great and the, the full iron man, I, you know, I did well. So that's amazing. How, um, how tired or sore were you after the race itself? Like that's one thing we kind of skipped over with the training is like, we talk about how much stronger you get, how better you, how much better your endurance gets. People don't mention how crazy better your recovery to get. You could, kill yourself on a super hard workout and wake up the next day and be like, wow, I'm actually kind of just fine. Like I could go do that again if I had to tell us about the recovery afterwards. Yeah. Um, I felt fine. <laughs> the only, I honestly, like the real, the only issue I had, I was a little, um, sore in the hamstrings cause the biking was just, I got crushed by the bike. That's what um, I did. Probably the worst time. I know you like biking. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is my worst event by far, but just the hamstrings were a little sore. Um, I just had to do a little stretching, a little bit of mobility the next day. And I, yeah, I was fine. My recovery is super fast. Um, as, as I train too, like I, yes, I'm getting stronger. I feel stronger, but you're right. Like I can jump into another workout the next day you know, without being sore and feel fine. So my recovery for sure. And also my joints, I, you know, my joint, I am getting a little, I'm not super old yet, but I'm getting a little bit older where I feel like I'm still, I have better joints, like better knees than I did when I was in high school. Amazing. I just feel better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, there's something to that. There's something to the recovery thing. That's awesome. What kind of bike were you on? Were you on a trial triathlon specific bike or was it like a modified road bike? I was on a P2 Cervelo. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that was, it was cool. It was great. However, uh, I don't know if I even told you this, it got shipped back to Chicago. I was using uh, Tribox tra- transport and they shipped my bike back super convenient, but the, but I go to pick up my bike at the bike shop. It's closed. I'm like, why is this bike shop closed? And I go back, it's closed again. I like email them. I'm like, Hey, you guys been closed. I'm trying to pick up my bike. They're like, Oh yeah. Somebody broke into our bike store and stole your bike. What? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chicago, baby. <laughs> wow. Did they replace it? <laughs> yeah. They gave me, uh, you know, what was, um, you know, whatever the d- amount would be if I were to like purchase one or anything like that. So it's fine. I actually have a track alpha, um, that's that I use. I used it for the half Ironman. Actually, I like it. It's a little road bike. Um, I think that that might've been my sign to, you know, retire from biking for a little <laughs> bit, but, um, but yeah, the, it, that made a huge difference where, um, being on my Cervelo and just being in, you know, in that arrow position and just learning to get comfortable in that. Cause that was honestly one of the biking to me was the biggest hurdle. Like yeah. I can swim, I'm not the fastest swimmer, but I can, you know, I can do the distance and not feel crushed. I can run. That's my strength. I can feel fine there. But the biking was the one thing that I really 
how to get over the hump of and um in it and also in chicago in the wintertime i'm on my trainer and i'm not you know on the road a lot and we don't have tons of hills out here you know you got to go all the way north to the you know northern suburbs or west suburbs to find some hills that are like kind of gnarly whereas i went in arizona there's just one hill that just I thought it never was going to stop. Like it just kept going and yeah, it's just going and going and going. Um, but yeah, I was on my, the P2, the Cervelo. I love that bike, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked, that's that's why I asked the question. I actually used to sell Cervelo P2s, which is a triathlon specific bike. That's why your hamstrings Mm -hmm. hurt, dude. That, that position that they put you in the arrow that you talked about is so aggressive the, the most pain I think I've ever been in in my life was after doing a very aggressive team time trial. We had five people kind of working together for 50 miles in that position. I Mm -hmm. thought I was going to die. Like getting off that bike. I, there was no position that felt comfortable to me. Everything hurt. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and plus if, if people have never been in arrow before, like there's no brakes. And so it's, it's very scary when you first like learn how to do it. And then like just the shifting and everything, just getting that down. It just, it's kind of gnarly. Cause I feel like I'm like, I'm right over the front wheel. Like yeah, totally. it's, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, okay. So I, I, I will disagree <laughs> about the cycling, uh, and that's okay. Um, I think cycling is amazing <laughs> with cycling. There's something, you know, special about a bike. And I think that goes back to a lot of our childhood where like, as soon as you got to ride a bike, you just expanded your geography of places you can go and things you can see and explore. Yeah. I think that's a really special thing. And I don't think I don't think it's unlike certain things in the gym. And for whatever reason, I've always felt this way about kettlebells. There's something special about kettlebells. It's different than a barbell. It's different than a dumbbell. It's different than a Nautilus machine. All of those things are amazing and wonderful. And I really love them. But there's there's just something to a kettlebell. What What is it to you that makes you drawn towards a kettlebell? Yeah, I. The, there's a couple things that, that draws me to it. It's one is it's that convenient piece of I, all I need is a kettlebell. Like I don't need a huge gym membership. I don't need a barbell, barbell rack, bumper plates. I don't need that. I can, I can do an amazing workout with a 24 K and just one, you know, and it's, I can, the way I can move my body in more of these natural patterns, like my, I can deadlift it. I can swing it. I can press it. You know, I can clean it. I can do Turkish get-ups with it. You know, I can do renegade rows with it. It's just, there's so many things that you can do. And it's like ever expanding. There's a bunch of other, like you're, anytime like you're in the kettlebell world, you'll be seeing people doing like, oh, well, look at that person. They're doing like these crazy arm bars to help open up, you know, the, you know, your upper chest and your shoulder. It's like, oh, okay. Different squat things. You could do a, a kettlebell squat pry where you bring the kettlebell out in front of you and you can sit more and get more mobility. So it's a mobility tool, it's cardio, it's strength, you know, and it just, you know, I can have that one bell and instead of having, and then here's the way I like to put it to certain people too, as well as like, instead of having a dumbbell rack, like you have a dumbbell rack from like five pounds to hundred pounds, right? Whereas in kettlebells, like you only need a few different types. If you, you really want to get into kettlebell training and you can just really mess with the tempo, the rep scheme timing. And I can just, I can grow stronger. I can get more cardiovascular endurance just by messing with those things. And I don't have to buy more stuff. That's right. Like, cause you know, I'm using that, that, you know, everybody has like 
25, 30 different dumbbells in their, you know, gym or whatever it is. And it's just like, I don't need all that. I just need this little square. Give me a couple different bells. I'm good to go. And I, and I can get a complete workout. I can get my clients a complete workout. You know, if they're at home or they're traveling, if all they need is a bell and they can find someplace that has a bell on the road, that's all they need. And we can have a whole full workout. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I just looked back at the pandemic and you called your buddy and it's like, Hey, can, can you load up your car with a bunch of like curl bars? Like, no, like kettlebell is yeah, the right. way to go. Kettlebell in a park. What an awesome way to work out. One way that we were told in my certification to help people um, understand kind of the simplicity and, and like you were saying, the minimalist kind of approach to kettlebells is like, we're going to do this mm-hmm. six to eight week training block. And I'm only going to have you buy one bell. Maybe it's a, you know, 12 kilo. And we're going to do this block. We're going to do the, the whole six, eight weeks. And at the end of this block, your reward is you get to go to the store and now go buy your 16 kilo or your 18 kilo. And so slowly Mm -hmm. over time, you're building up a little bit of a library and adding more. And you can even rerun the same block with just a slightly heavier kettlebell and get more results. It's really amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. My certification was a little bit different than yours. Strong first. I was kind of telling you offline strong first to me is one of these like really premier type of certifications where I know if somebody has strong first, um, I know they're going to be an elite trainer. Can you tell us what, what their, um, certification process is like and how strong first even got started? Yeah. So I was, I got a strong first level one kettlebell instructor certification, They've expanded over the years to, they have now a barbell. There's a, um, kettlebell level two. Uh, they also have a body weight one. And so, um, this guy, Pavel was with a Russian, um, of the RKC Russian kettlebell certification. And he, it was like a group of people. And I don't know, it was like a band broke up kind of, kind of deal. And he went his, he went his own way and he started, um, strong first and it's, to become a strong first instructor, you have to do certain things. Um, so it's by like your, your weight, um, and gender and like, okay, if you weigh this much, you have to be able to squat this, this size bell. You're going to have to do a a snatch test. You're going to have to be able to press, be able to swing, things like that. So for me, I was, uh, I think at the time when I did my survey, I was like 185. So that means that I had to do a um, show that I can double front squat, um, 224 K's. Um, I can swing a 24 K. Um, you know, I have to, they teach you how to do Turkish get-ups. You have to do those properly. And then there's this whole like check off thing. Like they're making sure that you do everything correctly at the end of that, you have to do a snatch test. So you have five minutes to do 50 kettlebell, um, snatches. And I do with a 24 K you could put the bell down if you want or whatever you can mix and match. I can do 40 on one arm and 10 on the other. I just want to cut in here for a brief correction. I got this message from Tony after we recorded the episode. I'm going to play it now. Hey Casey, this is Tony. I uh, just wanted to thank you for sending over the uh, podcast audio. I gave it a listen and uh, I actually have a error on there that I wanted to correct uh, I made a little bit of a goof. I was talking about the strong first uh, snatch test, and I was kept saying 50 snatches in five minutes because typically we do 50 on each arm. It's 100 snatches. So I didn't want to undersell or underplay the uh, 
strong for certification, but uh, it's 100 snatches in five minutes, not 50. But um, I don't know if you could throw that in there, edit it. I just wanted to make sure that I made that correction. So, But uh, thank you again for hosting, and uh, talk to you soon, brother. So there you go. If there was any doubt that Strong First was pretty legit, it's actually 100 kettlebell snatches in five minutes, like he said. That is a lot. If you've ever done one kettlebell snatch, you know how difficult of a move that is. So anyway, let's get back to the episode. However you need to do it, you know, but you got to get 50 and you have five minutes to do it. And it sucks. It is very hard. Kettlebell kettlebell snatch is like the hardest thing you can do. Yeah, I would say it's, it's super technical. Um, in terms of once swings and get-ups are probably like the, some of the best stuff, right? A swing and a get-up, great. The snatch is a little different. The bell path of a snatch versus a kettlebell swing. If you learn the swing, it's that you know that bell's coming out and away from you. A lot of people that do the kettlebell snatch and they they think it's a swing and then the bell crashes on their um, wrist. And, you know, that's why a lot of people don't like it because it hurts the wrist. Well, it's, you have to change your positioning a little bit. The belt path moves up and I, you know, lots of hips, different hip hinge than an actual swing. So in order to do that, you know, I mean, it takes a lot to train for a snatch test. There's people that go, they train a long time. They get to the, you know, we go to Rosemont out, out here. It's just, uh, in the Western suburb of Chicago and it's this big, we call it the dome. It's this huge dome you go into and people go to the dome and they train, train for months and they don't get their snatch test. Um, I, one of my partners that I worked with got to 96, didn't, you know, didn't test, you know, he uh, failed the test, did everything else. They give you time after the fact, I forget how many days you have, but you have to show a video, um, of you doing the snatch test with a timer. And if you can get 50 in the five minutes, then they'll, um, issue your certificate but uh yeah it's very technical it's demanding on you know your grip strength your cardiovascular endurance your muscular endurance it's it's a grind it's definitely a grind but uh they're very particular on you know the coaching cues um they're very particular on the way that they teach these standards um you know it's it's something that's it's almost its own like kettlebell thing. Like if you know somebody who's strong first, you speak the same language. Yeah. It's that common language that you guys can talk about. Um, I work at this gym in Chicago called Spindle Fitness and all the trainers are um, strong first instructors. So when we talk in the gym and when we talk about our clients and we program, um, it's all common language. And that's like the, the good thing about strong first is if you are, talking to one client in a group class, right. And a different instructor is saying something up, like saying something to them. It's the same thing, even though it's coming from two different people. Yeah. And it's that standardization. That's really, really nice about strong first. That's really rare in personal training too. I think most people would think you're all personal trainers. You all have certifications. You're all going to say the same things. And that is absolutely mm-hmm. not true. We have such different approaches and personalities and things that we like and don't like. And so oftentimes, oftentimes I would get approached to, um, like answer questions from other trainers. Like, Hey, my trainer assigned me this exercise. Can you show me how to do it? And I'd be like, yeah, what's the exercise? And they tell me something and be like, I have never heard of that. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) So it's cool to have that standardization. And like I said, like if, if somebody did that certification, I would feel fully confident recommending that personal trainer to work with somebody because I know they would have that high level. I think it's really savage. Like you can go and get a personal training certification, um, without having to do a lot of that stuff. You just need to pass the test. I think it's more savage to be able to do all the same stuff and, and be physically fit to this high level and that 
that's part of the cert. I, I like that. I, I personally mm-hmm. will always say that I should never be able to give you an exercise that I can't do myself. Oh yeah. And, and the instructors are like, they are really great. Um, they're amazing. Um, at the end of your certification, it's like very well known. There's the graduation workout. Oh my gosh. Like the grad workout, everybody knows about it. Like I knew it was coming, but however, I didn't think it was going to be that long and that hard. Like we just finished doing like the demos, like showing that we can like front squat, we can swing, we can do, you know, we can press, we can do all these things. Then there was a snatch test at the end. It's like, all right, cool. They, you know, you know, you passed or not. And then it's like, okay, grad workout, everybody grab, um, a, you know, a snatch size bell. And here we go. Clean squat, press one side, clean squat, press the other side. Okay. Swing, 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 go, go, go. Put your bell down, shake it up. We're going again. And like, literally for like, you think it's not going to end. It's like 15 minutes after you did all this stuff and you're still working out. It's been, I've been there for three days, by the way. <laughs> and we're just still going. And I'm like, Oh, I look at the guy next to me. I'm like, there's no way we can keep going. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's no way they're going to make us go any longer. Like 15 minutes later, we're still working. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. It's just like this rite of passage that everybody does. Um, you know, it sucks. You get through it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's that rite of passage and it's just, uh, it's a cool thing to do. Dude. It's, it's one of those things that will forever like up your kind of like ability to deal with things that are challenging. If you've gone through that type of difficulty, the hot runs in, in Des Moines and the, the Ironman, like mm-hmm. doing those events shows you that you are strong and you can get through difficult things. And when, you know, pandemics happen or you lose your job or you get in a car accident, like you're able to cope with those types of things so much better because you're more resilient for it. You're choosing to give yourself, you know, discomfort when you could just sit around and be comfortable like everybody else, but that just makes you stronger. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, being a, having this diet, you know, I, I honestly, I feel like the side effect to this diet has been my relationship with food. Like that has been this one thing that I didn't think was going to, I thought it was just going to be more of like, I'm going to look good and feel good, which is great. But the mental aspect of like, I don't feel as down as much and I'm not worried about food all the time. Whereas like I'm checking, I'm stepping on the scale all the time. I'm worried about what I'm eating all the time. Now I make it super simple. Like it's very simple. I eat these things. This makes me feel good. Um, if I eat something that's outside the realm of it and I don't feel good anymore, it's like, okay, like I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Like I know if I go off, you know, if I have something that's not like carnivore esque or, you know, animal based and I eat it and I'm like, Oh, I just feel terrible. Yeah. I don't want to feel like that anymore. So I, I just don't do it. It's not worth it to me to really go and cheat and have these cheat days. Cause I just feel so bad afterwards, but it's that, that I don't have to worry about what I'm eating. I don't worry about my weight anymore. I don't worry, um, you know, oh, I have to be this many macros, this many, this many, that. No, I'm going to eat till I'm full. I'm going to eat till I'm satisfied. And if I miss a meal, I don't freak out about it. Like, I'm okay. And that's like something that has been, and I think you said food freedom. Like, that's been huge for me, food freedom, for sure. 
Yeah, I was just actually reflecting on that. Uh, we just had kind of a family gathering over the weekend, and you know, we're around cake and burgers, which they had, mm-hmm. which were great, and um, you know, all kinds of drinks and stuff. And it w- it was really funny. Like I-, I could just sit there and just have my burger patties and eat with everybody else, and nobody said anything. It wasn't a big deal. People had cake, and that was like our opportunity to like take pictures of you know people together. And I didn't, I didn't. First of all, I didn't miss the cake at all because of the same thing that you said. I, it's just not worth my anxiety going through the. Room whenever I have sugar to, to make me want to eat sugar. The, the cake was homemade and looked mm-hmm. fine, and um, but that wasn't enough to even entice me anymore. And secondly, there was there was a, a thing of like raw spinach for people to make salads, and I almost got this like nauseous feeling when I saw people eating spinach. Like, whoa, that it, like it's a really crazy aversion. You realize like how much that flips. Like 10 years ago, I was eating spinach probably three meals a day. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And the one weird thing for me is I, I talked about this. I did a, a like a Rivero um, kind of like success story thing with them. And one of the the key points or main points I was talking about is I've, I've had this problem with um, pelfer. I always say it wrong. Pelferitis in my eyes where they flare up to like the point where I have to be on this. The doctor was giving me um, antibiotics to get to them to like not be as puffy anymore. There's like these huge flare ups. I was on um, moxicillin or something like that. And I would have, every time I get a flare up, I'd have to go on antibiotics and I kept having to do it, kept having to do it. But that's the one thing I realized is once I stopped eating, um, I stopped like trying as best I could is like no pepper, no, um, no plant food and just really cut out anything. If it wasn't butter, salt, or meat, I, I really got strict for a little bit. And my puffer eyes, my eyes went away completely. Amazing. I haven't had a flare up in, it's gotta be two years now. Wow. And like where I was, it was all the time That's I was amazing. getting these flare ups in my eyes. So there is, there is something to that. Like there's this healing thing that your body will start doing. And I, you know, I don't know that I'm not saying like the ins and outs of like it's this plant or it's this pepper or it's this, but once I cut it out, I, I was fine. I didn't have a flare up anymore. So there is something to it for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, You hear stories like that all the time. And I'm so glad you brought up the Rivero certification. I don't bring this up very much on this podcast. So I'm glad we're talking about it now. Any of the listeners mm-hmm. can go over to Rivero.com and hire either one of us for a really very low price to be able to chat with us for a coaching session for 30 minutes. Um, and again, it's not something I really talk about very often, but it's something that I've really enjoyed. I got to meet you through this platform, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. What has your experience been like through Rivero? It's, it's been good. Um, I've, I've set my thing to only be, um, their, uh, interface is, is kind of hard, um, on terms for like, for me, for the coaches. Cause anytime you're like availability change, it's hard to change with them. You know, you have to go keep going in and changing that availability, but, uh, I've only had my availability set for the weekends just cause it make it easier. But the people that I get from there are just people that are curious and that just need somebody to talk to and, and walk them through. Like, again, like I was talking with you, it's like, they want the permission to eat like this. You know, they, 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 okay. They want to try this out. I need somebody just to bounce ideas off of and talk to. And, and anybody that I have as a client or anything, I literally, it's like, okay, like what's your goals? What do you, you know, what do you want to accomplish? Like what's your diet right now? All right. Some people I can, they're like, I want to go cold Turkey. I want to go, you know, on this plant-based or this animal-based diet and get rid of plants. 
okay, we can do that, but expect these things to happen as you go through, like give them the, you know, the warnings a little bit of like, you expect certain things to happen. Um, whereas some people that doesn't work, they like, I want to go mainly, you know, ammo based, but like, I don't want to give up certain things yet. And we can start to wean them down and get those low carbohydrates or less plant foods and things like that. So, um, it's just like talking with people and what, what works best for them. Like some people going a hundred percent animal based, like that's not their bag, but they know that there are benefits in there and they want to try, you know, to step a couple feet in the water and just see how it is. And then once they feel good, like me, I did keto, I felt good. But then once I eliminated all the plant food, I felt better. Way better. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. No, it, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of fun on, on Rivero. And again, we, we do get compensated for coaching people, but it's, it's not a lot. I'll just say that, but that, that oh, yeah. the rate that they charge, I don't think is anywhere near where you and I's normal uh, hourly rate would be. It would be far higher, but you know, I, I consider that, but I also keep my profile there because it's really enjoyable. It's really fun to kind of have conversations with people and meet people from literally all over the world and just answer questions mm-hmm. and help them talk it out. And I'll, I'll pretty much every session give out my cell phone number and just tell people like, look, like if you have a question, like text me, like call me, like, let me know. Let's, let's sort this out together. If you want to do ongoing coaching with me, we can talk about that. And that will be a different price. This is kind of like your introductory mm-hmm. price to get a coaching session, but that's, that's why I keep it. I think it's a lot of fun and it's great to meet people who, you know, it, this isn't like the vegan club <clears throat> where you're trying to convince people to do carnivore. These are people that really want to do carnivore. They've done a lot of research like you, and it's fun to kind of talk things through. I wonder, I wonder if you'll feel the same way about this. The, the biggest thing that I think pe- trips people up the most and they have the most questions around is basically a lot of the theme of what we've been talking about, which is simplicity. Do you, do your clients who you work with on Rivero have the hardest time wrapping their minds around the fact that this is, yes, this is going to be this simple. Eat meat, drink water, have some salt, eat what you crave until you're satiated. That's, that's like kind of it. And people are like, well, that sounds amazing. But what about these supplements? What about meal timings? What about this other stuff? And it's like, you're, the listener is so used to complicated, complex, mm-hmm. expensive, whatever. When you can have like one or two carnivore calls, you might be good for the rest of your life if you can grasp that one concept. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I have any clients that I have. I honestly, I say after 90 days, I don't, that's all I spend, 90 days. And it, it's not like we're meeting every night, like for 90 days straight. We're periodically checking in in the 90 days i'll have them i'll say like okay hey like you're gonna have um let's say if i get somebody that is like oh gung-ho about carnivore okay all right let's figure out what types of you know cuts of meat you're gonna kind of like what do you kind of already are accustomed to eating um get rid of the seasoning you're gonna put salt you're gonna put butter you're gonna eat till you're full maybe have like once you're full have like three more bites you know, have a couple more bites. Now you're really full. Now you're good. Right. After they've done that multiple times. Yeah, it is a different, it's super simple. And it's, you're right. They are used to like, I need a protein shake. I need this meal. I have to have a small meal in between, but once you get into the habit and then they, you check in with them. Okay. Like, how do you feel? How's it going? Do we have to make some tweaks? Like that there's some tweaks, like maybe they need more fat. You know, maybe they're not actually not eating enough protein. Maybe they're not eating the, the right amount and we tweak it as we go through. But 
within 90 days, like you should be good to go. We shouldn't have to have these, the conversation anymore because you've lived it and you've done it. Like, that's the one thing I don't like. Some people have like carnivore cookbooks, like the nose to tail carnivore cookbook thing. Uh, to me, I, that's making it more complicated than it needs that's to right. be. I, I keep it very, very simple. Like find the cuts of meat, fat, good fatty meats that you like, you know, have good fat add a, you know, an ample amount of salt in your diet and you should be good, you know? And I don't think it needs to be any, anything more complicated. That's why I got out of keto. Like keto was, um, you know, macros, this, um, Oh, you could have this chocolate bar cause it's keto. You could have this ice cream cause it's keto. Like we, we, there's that whole trap now of all these things. Where it's like, that's not even food, man. Like totally. it's ice cream. It's not food <laughs> totally. like, um, and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, after, a, you know, a few sessions, two, three times in a month, checking in and just, just be that person for them. Like you could be that person for them to they'd be like, Hey, I fell off the wagon. Like I have uh, one of my clients right now. He's like, I fell off the wagon this weekend. It was my son's birthday, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I sent him a picture of somebody riding a horse. I said, this is you tomorrow, Monday, you're back on the horse, Nice, you know, just little stuff like that. That could, that can change. Like, okay, I got somebody to help me out. I got somebody that is going to hold me accountable and that, you know, that they're, um, they're going to tell me if they cheat, they're going to tell me this, but it's, I don't get mad at them. It's like, all right, let's make sure we just get back on track. Consistency is the key. And then once you go off, like we were talking about, if I eat off what I usually eat, I don't feel good. I don't want to eat like that anymore. I don't want to feel like that. So make it simple, yeah. make it simple. And I think me and you are the kind of people like just being that person that's there for them. Yeah. Like, totally. It's a terrible business model. <laughs> we don't have a lot of recurring, yeah, right, right. recurring business and people are getting better and don't need us for more than like one or two sessions. <laughs> yeah, dude. I remember the company that I got my main certification from, we had a software program that we could purchase and it would be like a monthly fee. And then we could sign people up to this program. And basically it would send somebody like a goal that they would work on for two weeks. They'd have daily like lessons and little check-ins and things that they would do. It was really quite comprehensive. The program was good. It was a lot of behavior coaching stuff and like make sure you're getting a serving of vegetables at every meal and make sure you're eating your lean mm-hmm. protein. And this, this program ran for an entire year. So people would get signed up. They would pay a certain fee. They would get daily lessons with two week goals that would rotate for that entire year. I put hundreds of people through it. I had two people, two people ever see day 365. Everybody else dropped off and quit because it's not sustainable. And it's like, even with people who do like emotional coaching or, you know, working with people's, you know, mindset and things like that. Like there's a place for that. And I think that's really valuable, but you can address emotional eating and mindset stuff like a little bit down the road when your mind is actually working, right? Like let's work on actually taking meat and putting it in your mouth to get started. Then we can deal with emotional eating. You might find that that just resolves itself anyway. You don't need to go through, you know, talking about foods and planning out foods. Like let's, let's just get you on this now. And that stuff will sort itself out later. In my experience, that has absolutely been the case. Yeah. And I think the also it's the same thing with, with strength training and, and, and workouts, like everybody's trying to make this super complicated. Like it doesn't have to be that. Like a lot of, a lot of the things that I program for my clients are very simple to the point I'm training these movements. They're not flashy. You know, we're going to, we're going to gobble squat a kettlebell. We're going to deadlift the kettlebell. We're going to do some presses you know, I'll throw some different like accessory things in there, but you do not need to be working out. There's guys that I know that work out for two hours in the gym. I'm like, I did an Ironman. I didn't work 
I didn't lift weights for two hours and I'm strong. Like I'm super strong and I do not need to make it more complicated than it needs to be. I need to, you know, get my strength session in 45 minutes is like the max for me. Like, I don't need any more than that. Like we don't, like you said, we don't need to make it complicated. It just needs to be simple. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Dude, you are my people. You and I could go back and forth for hours and hours, man. I absolutely <laughs> love this. This is already past an hour, which the time has just flown by. But I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you taking time to make it. Tony Pascala, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Yeah, so you can go to Instagram. It's just Tony underscore the primal coach. Um, I have a link tree in there. That's my email. It's uh, Tony, the primal coach at gmail.com. Uh, they can email me, you can DM me, um, or any of that. So yeah, that's pretty much the easiest way to get hold of me. That's great. Very simple. Again, Tony, we really appreciate your time and all of your life experience. You've gone through a lot of difficult things. You've learned a lot about yourself. You've, you've purposely put your through yourself into difficult situations that you then have had to overcome. And I just think, I just think of not only the people you, you coach, but I think about, you know, you're, you're at a school, like working with kiddos, like a lot of this stuff is going to come out to them and you're going to be a huge example for them. And I think that's amazing. That will create ripples that will go out and in, in, you know, the, the lake of our lives for a very, very long time. So, um, thank you again so very much for everything that you do. And thank you for taking time to come on our show today. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Case, thank you for having me and thanks for putting all the information out there and getting the awesome guests and, and do what you do. I know it takes a lot of time to put these together, but uh, I, I, I enjoy it and I, and I share your stuff with people and Thanks, it's, it's amazing. It's Thanks, good man. stuff, man. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's been a really fun conversation. So thanks again. Cool. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long-form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We're also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to 
these premium podcast episodes, the Balanced Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon. Check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you, as always, for listening to Boundless Body Radio.